and they made a pact, a secret actually, and they were going to turn me into a good Christian girl and bring me back to God so that I would leave sex work behind. Thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I am Melrose Michaels, and you can find me at Melrose Michaels on social and at melrosemichaels.com. Also, just as a reminder, if you're joining the podcast um, on Apple, please leave us a five-star rating and review us. It really helps us grow as a podcast and better share information from our guests to the sex work community as a whole. Absolutely. And last but not least, if you want to support the podcast, please go to anchor.fm forward slash horizon spelled W-H-O-R-I-Z-O-N to become a premium subscriber on the podcast, which unlocks you two bonus episodes each month on the 8th and 22nd between our regularly scheduled episodes. And we'll give you access to tons of exclusive footage of ourselves and our guests. Yes, please, please subscribe. Who misses free and affordable ads and social networks without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising and social spaces to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their two products, Tris.link and Switter.at, are refreshing and well-needed changes in both presentation and mission. Both are free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel encouraged and supported instead of policed. Check out their website, assembly4.com, for the word, not the number, for more info. Hi, uh, we are doing a compilation episode between three episodes, three podcasts. Um, I'm Jesse Sage from the Peep Show podcast and On the Horizon. I am Melrose Michaels from On the Horizon and also from Sex Work CEO. And I am Caitlin Bailey with the Oldest Profession podcast. Yeah, so last year, Caitlin and I collaborated and did a crossover episode from Peep Show podcast and the Oldest, uh, the oldest Horizon. <laughs> My- <laughs> I mean, we're not wrong, you know. It's- <laughs> <laughs> the old pro podcast. And um, what we did is we collected coming out stories coming out as a sex worker stories and um, put them on both podcasts. And this year we're doing that. We're throupling it. We're yes. doing it with yeah. the horizon too. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's so important uh, this time of year to to come together um, to acknowledge, you know, the December 17th holiday, the international day to end violence against sex workers. And you know, we acknowledge the the folks that we lost this year to stigma mm-hmm. and violence. And I think it's just really important to take the time to remind our listeners that no matter where they're at in their journey, they're not alone. None of yeah. us are alone. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we all said when we were planning this is that like, it is not safe for everyone to come out. Not yeah. everybody has happy coming out stories. Some people really are supported. Some people aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't when we asked people to submit their stories, we wanted them to submit them from where they are, from how they are, for how, from how it went. And so like we have a collection of stories from uh, people, listeners of all of the podcasts who mm-hmm. just submitted their coming out stories. And we're going to 
play them in no particular order. <laughs> yeah. And it's really timely because a lot of sex workers uh, and alike are going home for the holidays. They're going to face family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether they're out or not out, I think having this message ahead of that will really resonate and, mm-hmm. and help us through this uh, family time we're all looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Should we get into it? Okay. So in no particular order, we are going to start with Plush Piper. This is a submission from Plush Piper. So just a little bit of background info. My mom is disabled and I live at home to help her out. I finally told her I found a job on Craigslist that paid cash as a parking lot attendant. LOL. Yes, this person that sits there all night alone collecting cash when people leave the parking lot, as if that even exists anymore. I've literally only seen recent lots with machines that accept cash or card. So in no time at all, I started coming home with a lot of cash, obviously way more than a parking attendant would make. Mind you, this was also me just starting out in this career, so I had no idea what I was doing. But I wanted to try and keep track, so I would log my appointments in this little black teeny tiny notebook. I know, as if a teeny tiny black book isn't suspect enough before knowing its contents. Also, I worked with an agency, and I didn't plan on doing it for long just to get out of debt, so most of my shoddy record-keeping was just to make sure my new boss wasn't getting one over on me, and that's besides the point. Anyway, so as far as home life went, I didn't really hide my job per se, but I definitely was not open about it either. I guess keeping cash in your little black book drawer is just asking for an explanation. So one afternoon, I'm headed off to work and my mom decides to stop and ask me about it, which I'm not going to lie, I knew it was eventually going to happen. The convo went like this. Mom, hey Piper, do you really work in a parking deck? Me. Yeah, pretty, that's, that's random to ask, but yes, I work in a parking deck. Mom. You know, you can tell me if you don't, right? Me. Okay, I don't. (laughs) Mom, do you actually um, go on dates and stuff? Me. Yeah, but I work with an agency that's been around for a while. So they screen the people I see. Don't, Don't worry, Mom. I'm safe. Mom. Okay. Well, as long as you're safe, you don't have to worry. I love you. Kiss. Me. Kiss. (laughs) That went way better than I was expecting. Mom, I've known for a little bit. It doesn't take much to put two and two together, but obviously if push comes to shove, we have to do what we have to do. I can't judge you or treat you any differently for trying to keep us above water. Me. Thank you, Mama. I'm really trying. Ever since, my mom's been nothing but supportive and understanding. As far as the rest of family, though, we still tell them I work in a parking deck. (laughs) But to make it a little bit more believable due to COVID and avoiding cash transactions and such, the boss has put in machines and has transferred me into her construction business that I do office work at. And nobody really asks any more questions beyond that. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) No mom. It's always nice to have a co-conspirator mom, you know, that's. I, I love that too, that like falling, we're all helpless, I think. Well, not all of us. I don't want to speak for everyone, but like I, a, a psychologist once told me when I was like, why do I act this way around my parents? It's like, we are all defenseless uh, against <laughs> the people that raised us. And so I love that, like no pushback whatsoever of like, do you really work in a parking lot? Like, sure, mom, random question. Why do you ask? But do you really though? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> the funny thing about that is like, um, I was listening to that and I was thinking as a mom, as a sex working mom, one time I got a Costco and you know, you can't go into Costco without leaving with like $350 yeah. worth of stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm yeah, with my exactly. teenager who knows I'm a sex worker, but not that much about it. Um, and I'm walking through now I have $300 worth, $50, $400 worth of stuff. I take out four $100 bills, give it to the <laughs> things. And he's like, mom, where, where, where'd you get all that cash? And I was like, I sold stuff on Craigslist. <laughs> really? That's so yeah. great. Yeah. I was like, that's almost true. It's yeah, almost, true. almost true. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> nice. And um, she tells us about Craigslist. I'm like, yeah, you get a job yeah. on Craigslist. Yeah. Like, that's almost true. Yeah. <laughs> It used to be more true before Sesta Fosta, but then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very funny. Like the, 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 the lies that sex workers get pushed into telling are mm. often. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. Not elaborate. I don't like, it's hard to, it's comforting to hear the support because I know that's not a lot of the a lot of my coworkers and colleagues mm-hmm. stories so like that really is just comforting to hear like that, yeah. that's that's happening I like there that. are moms who yeah. will do who will respond like that and understand yeah it's also nice too to have you know someone helping you navigate the family dynamics and I have no doubt in yeah. my mind yes. that like you know continuing to tell the rest of the family details about your fake boring job is you know that's that's real. That's a survival yeah. strategy. And it's nice to have yeah. backup on that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I, I, you know, shout out to this, this listener for figuring out how to navigate that difficult conversation. Many blessings to, you know, how well uh, their mom took it. And mm-hmm. I can totally see why not letting the rest of the family in makes, makes sense for now. Yeah. yeah. I also think it's amazing like that this is a COVID story too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, there aren't parking attendants anymore. Yes. So let's see. Yeah. You have to evolve it <laughs> to fit the narrative. That's very uh, What's something no one wants to talk about? Construction? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I hope that you don't get that just like one extra uncle that's like, oh, cool. I just read, you know, like I want to talk about yeah. trucks or like whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's, you don't want to get mansplained to about your, uh, your fake job. That's always a yeah. danger. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. we can't all be a Accountants, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see. Let's go on to Treasure. Hey guys, my stage name is Treasure the Stallion. I go by Treasure for short, but my real name is Tiffany. So I definitely am really excited about this to get the word out, share my story. Um, on sex work and I'm just really excited about this whole new journey that has come about for me through this process as a sex worker. So I wanted to share my story on how I got introduced to it, um, what led me into onto the path, um, my experience journey through it, and how it inspired me to actually write my first book ever. Um, so let's just start. Formally and first most, um, I did not start off as an escort or a sex worker at all. I was a student athlete. I lived on the East Coast in Miami. Um, I went to school out there. I did track and field. I was very good. Um, I got my degree. Um, I studied psychology, pursued my master's in mental health therapy. For the longest time, I thought I'd be a clinical, a clinical worker. 
and um, even I was training for the Olympics. So I also had dreams to take my athletic skills and abilities to the next level. So um, about 20, this was 2020 now, early 2020, um, I have received my Olympic trial games invitation. So at the time it was such a struggle financially, um, just having to take care of my personal expenses um, and then the expenses of track and field. I mean, I had from actually um, having to pay for equipment, coaching, rehab, um, nutrition, to pay um, to use the facilities, um, transportation when you're traveling on the road, actual fees to enter and join competition, food expenses on the road, hotels, travels, things like that. Um, so I was really supporting myself. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a, a gang of people around me. And so it was already um, tough. So at the time I was just doing personal training, um, just doing some sports massage, you know, just trying to make extra money to make it by. And then COVID happened and COVID really was like the turnaround for everyone. So, you know, um, that was really, and even leading up to COVID, I remember feeling super, super stressed because it was like pinching pennies and just, it was so hard and I hated living that way. Um, I was like, you know, if this is something that I want to do, why, why do I have to be so broke? Like I hated that. So then COVID happened and it, you know, financially it just threw everything off when they started closing down facilities and things like that. It was hard for me to do any type of training and stuff. So... I had to really reset or think about what my next move was. Um, I felt like my back was against the wall. Um, and I had always, at the time, I always wanted to go to the West Coast. Um, I would just like really like pray, think hard. Um, what should I do? Because I don't know. I felt called to go to the, to, to move to the West Coast because at this time I was on the East Coast. I felt called to move to the West Coast. And um, I was just, okay, let me go to Cali. I've always wanted to go to Cali, so I moved to Cali. Um, and then out Cali, I saw how hard it was still to get a job. Even though I'm qualified to have education, it was like really hard to find a job. And so now I'm going through like social services just to get like stamps so I can eat, get some health care, get some cash so I can just like not have to go broke. And I'm just really thinking like, what am I going to do? Um, I need to get a place to stay. You know, I had to like just find like a home, like a shelter home to stay in. So it was really tough. It definitely was a predicament. I was not that was not ideal. Um, and then I started looking into escorting. Um, now at the time I didn't really know much about it. I didn't know how many girls were actually involved in this industry and in this world until I really got into it and I realized like, wow, like a lot of girls change their lives through this, through this, um, through this industry. You know, a lot of girls make good money for themselves and they, they turn it all around. I was very nervous. I was very close minded to the idea. I absolutely just said no. I didn't go to school and get an education just to like, you know, be a hoe. Those are things that I told myself. I was like, there's no way that um, I'd be accepted by God if, you know, if I turn over and do this, like, this is not me. And then at the same time, I'm broke. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, so I just did my research and I'm like, fine. Well, you know, it took some time into me, you know, really, I had to really think about it. Then I was like, okay, well, how can I do it legally? Like if I do it, you know? Um, so I always like felt like, okay, well I give really good massages. I can go in with that. Um, and then, you know, I can, I could probably be successful just with that. So I looked into to brothel houses in the state of Nevada because that's where it is legal and, um, it's safe. I felt like it was safe. You have security. Um, 
you don't have to worry about any of the headaches or the stress that come um, with not working in a safe environment like that. So I feel like it was like a good way to just get in an industry that I was very, very, very new at. Um, I just wrote some notes just to kind of keep me um, on on topic. So yeah, so then that was my decision. I made some calls. I had did an interview. Um, at the time, COVID was still, you know, rampant or whatever. So I was able to get hired as an escort. And so at the time, I was just doing massages because we weren't really allowed to... Um, we were only allowed to use our escorting license. So for me, it was perfect. Usually people, customers would come in for companionship. Um, they wanted body rubs, massages, things like that, cuddling. Um, so for me, I, I had the massage gig going all the way. Um, and then eventually, um, when COVID lifted in the brothel houses, um, they were able to not only, you know, use their escort license, but their prostitution license as well. So we were able to like go full all the way. Um, which was very hard for me and tricky because I wasn't used to dealing with um, men um, to, in that degree. Because in my personal life, I'm very like shy, reserved. I don't really date much. I'm very to myself, just always focus on me and growing and things like that. So that was definitely a culture shock. That was a change. Um, I was able to meet a lot of women in the industry in that house who really helped me. There was actually a girl who took me under her wing and she was just teaching me everything from protocol, the system, how it works, how you make your money, how you um, negotiate money, how you price things, how you sell your parties. That's what they call it. Like when you book sessions with clients, they call it parties. So how you sell and, you know, make, make the biggest thing or whatever for your buck. Um, so I had to learn all of these things. Um, I was also like tomboyish because of being an athlete. I always like wore sneakers and t-shirts and sweats. So, um, I had to learn how to like find out different lingeries and stuff that fit me, um, my body. So I was just discovering all different types of stuff, wearing different makeup, lace, negligees. Like I was like discovering this whole new, um, world of feminine like power energy um sex appeal you know how to use like you know like own yourself and and your value and and you know put a price tag on that and there's nothing wrong with it so that was very empowering how and and you know through the whole time there was a lot of pros and cons um for me personally um it was very very tough and i would write about my experiences like from the first day i started i just would write about everything that i was going through and um i lasted for seven months i did um i think like about when i got four months into it was when i it snapped to me i should write a book um, at the time I had a friend who was like pushing me, like, you really need to write a book. You've always been saying you want to do it. This is the perfect opportunity. You have the space, you have the time. So I was like, all right, fine. I reached out, found, found the writing coach and I was like, okay, I really want to, um, take this serious. So by the time I had reached out to a writing coach, I had my manuscript raw already, um, written out. And when I handed it over, she had told me like, you know, these, this is two books right now. Like you literally have enough for two books like if you want to just focus we can condense it and focus on the sex work industry part and then you know we can focus on the second book after so then that's when it inspired me i just started going all the way through with um writing the book and it's called the birth of treasure navigating the sex world and i literally talk about my experience from beginning to the end of what it was like how i went through so many so much challenges how i overcame them 
how I was able to find myself. I was able to discover a purpose of myself being a writer and an author, um, really changed my life. Um, I bossed up as a woman, you know, I, I had so much growth, not as a person, but also as a woman as well. It really just changed my whole paradigm and perspective on life and just things like that. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. I probably wouldn't want to go back and do it again because of everything I've had to go through. However, I am glad that I experienced it. I'm glad that I really like toughed it. Like, you know, I toughed the whole thing through and it's made me stronger today. And it's given me the opportunity to even submit this, this, this clip into you guys for this potential opportunity. So I'm very excited. Um, I'll also be sending a copy of my book. So I look forward to talking to you guys and moving further. So I'll see you guys soon. That's awesome. Yeah. She's yeah, looking at the camera so much that like, I feel like, I feel I'm like in she was interview. there. I was like, yeah. oh, I was like, not, yeah, <laughs> yeah, direct. Eye contact. I think that, I mean, that's such a powerful testimony, right? Like coming really from is. an athlete, right? And like, yeah. you know, we, we all bring the tools and the background and the skills that we collected before entering this work into it, right? And mm -hmm. we take what we learn in this work back out, right? To like, it's, yeah, it's such a such a back and forth. And so like, what I, I really, really connected to their description of like, what it what it means to be an aspiring mm -hmm. Olympic mm -hmm. athlete, right? And the self direction yeah. of that, right? And what what is asked of not just your body, right? But the the logistics and you know, what what doing that without support means and like, having to mm -hmm. pay your own way and pay your own dues and pay, you know, and and I actually didn't so know that until I listened to her. Like, I, right? I don't no. know how that works. I was like, wait, she has to pay for all of that? Oh, <laughs> I think Olympians yeah. are like the most underpaid athletes of all time. They like yeah. everything they do is on them. And then the, when wow. you win in the Olympics, you really don't even get any money. Like you right. just get yeah, the, unless you get a, a, a deal, right, to sell. Deal, like, like a yeah. brand it deal. It doesn't happen for everyone. You know, it's like yes. a, sort of a select mm -hmm. few. And so the the passion and the drive, right, of like, you know, mm -hmm. but the fuel behind that and then just sort of like hit this wall of COVID, right? And hit this wall of like, you know, she got her degree. She's an incredibly accomplished athlete. And then mm -hmm. this, this big question, right? Like, why do I have to be so broke all the time? I think we're sold yeah. this lie yes. of meritocracy, right? That yeah. like with effort, right? With achievement comes a kind of financial stability. And that's just not the world that we no. live no. in right now. Yeah, And mm -hmm. so- you know, taking, I, I really, really appreciated the, all of the forethought, right. Of like, how can yeah. I keep myself safe? Right. How, yeah. what are the boundaries within which I might be willing to do this? Right. At no so point does, does she abandon herself, right. At no point does she yeah. sacrifice, you know, and, and then of course the, the, and then the, the big coming out, right. Of like writing a, a book about your experiences, yeah. right. Yeah. Journaling throughout keeping hold. I just, I don't know. There's so much to celebrate here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was thinking one of the things to celebrate is the way in which other sex workers like help Came each other yeah. out, you know, and that's been my experience too, is that like, I also learned the ropes from other sex workers. I learned how to negotiate my business. I learned yep. how to talk to clients. I, I learned that through like relationships with other sex workers. And I feel like, um, that's such a big deal. And like yep. going back to what you were saying at the very beginning, um, like we, one of the things that we could take from listening to people's stories is to think about um, the fact that we are all 
part of this like larger community. And we see that in little like interactions with our peers. And we also can see that in, um, you know, in these stories. Absolutely. And like the, the coming out of the book reveal, like that's bigger to me, but then that stood out to me as well is that Mm -hmm. she had this community. It made me teary eyed because that was not my experience, but Mm. mine was like self-inflicted. Like I just was in my narrow little lane and I wasn't like reaching out for help. I didn't Mm -hmm. get involved in the community. I was just like, I just got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. So like having so so many people swoop in and like show the ropes, like show them Mm -hmm. the ropes. It was, that's amazing. Yeah. And that, yeah, that was something positive to say about sort of like communal working space, right? And it's Mm -hmm. so important for these online communities and these physical and these regional communities to to stay together. You know, many, Mm -hmm. many blessings to older old pros. That that absolutely Mm -hmm. was my experience. I dipped my toe in in the early 2000s on a message board and like was almost immediately messaged by like other old pros in the area that were like, so I see that you're new. Uh, do you want to have lunch or coffee? Uh, um, we have stuff to talk about probably. So, That's yeah. so great. Great. Yeah. Really, really great. Yeah. Okay. We are going to move on to Sultry Miss M. My coming up story is actually still quite recent. I woke up one morning to an email from my father asking who else in the family knew I was Sultry Miss M. This came as quite a shock since it was about one week before my seven year anniversary of working very hard to not have my parents or family find out until I was ready to tell them. Turns out he saw me on the campsite that I worked on because he was a client occasionally. I was terrified by his email. I went for a walk around the neighborhood, came back, wrote him a huge long email explaining what I do, what I like about it, why I didn't tell him. And he had all of the right responses. He was proud of me and he was happy I was successful and he was happy that I had found a career that I was good at and that worked for me. Um, He always knew that I never really fit into the boxes of society. And so when he took a peek at my website and realized that this was a full-on business and a full-on career, he was really proud of the fact that I was doing what I loved and then it worked out well. I can't imagine a response having gone any better than that. And it definitely made me feel a little silly for having not told him for so long, but we never know how people are gonna react. And so having that positive response was really quite wonderful. Oh, that was beautiful. I'm like mm-hmm. teary Yeah. I was also found and it did not go out well. <laughs> <laughs> like not at all and that's why it's like amazing to me my um not my dad but my husband's uncle found a video of me and then went down a rabbit hole and pulled oh, wow. like every link that he could find and mm. started sending it to all of the family members oh, um, oh. and it was not at all good and um and the funny, the funniest part about this story, the only funny thing about this story is that they um, don't actually know like how the internet works and were like, and tried to lie. And uh, because obviously like the only way you find porn is by watching looking. porn, right? And right. they were, yep. <laughs> and was like, I saw Jesse giving a blowjob on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh my 
Wow. Whose groups are you a part of? That is yeah. not, yeah, cool. That is not what not happens on Facebook. And amazing. PJ's dad was like, you know, he was a little bit less like upset about it, but was like, the family's giving me a hard time. So can you keep that off of Facebook? And PJ's like, it's not on Facebook. <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> wow. And I think that that speaks so much of like, when you do get violent pushback, right? When you do have people that go on mm. these shame campaigns, right? It's yeah. about their own shit, right? Like yeah. your yeah. husband's uncle is obviously uncomfortable, right? With his appetite with his for erotic content. Exactly. Yeah. And so he's trying to project that on you. And so like, you know, coming back to, uh, you know, our listener that, that sent this incredible story and in, it's like, I really, that is such high marks for yeah. her dad, right? And his mm-hmm. comfort in his own skin, right? To be able to engage with her and ask the right questions and like to get to a place of being proud of his daughter and recognizing yeah. all of the, the, the entrepreneurism and the creativity mm-hmm, yes. and the, you know, willingness to survive. And, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to throw that out there and be like, mm-hmm. Jesse, your husband's uncle is obviously about his own shit. And I think that yeah. that like <laughs> sort of in retrospect means like, yeah, kudos kudos to cool dads you know yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, what you saw in uh miss m's story is that her dad wasn't embarrassed about his own yep he, he wasn't embarrassed yes yeah that he was like, i came to this looking yeah. for, for not my daughter and, <laughs> and here you are and that's cool and we i have some i have a lot of follow-up questions um, <laughs> happy to engage and and you're absolutely right that that can that can go a lot of different ways. And people are really willing to double down, right, in yeah. their own shame, right? Yeah. People are really willing to to go for a, a scorched earth tactic mm-hmm. to prove mm-hmm. their own pre-existing prejudices correct. And so, like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Miss M was was very lucky. I feel very lucky to, you know, have a have a dad who's really proud of me. Um, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of folks that that don't have that capacity, that haven't gotten yeah. over their their own shit enough, right? Mm-hmm. To yeah. be able to see the gifts that the people that they love bring into their life, regardless of, of whether or not they do or ever have engaged in sex work. Yeah, mm-hmm. regardless of career. I had a similar, I had actually was outed to my aunt um, by another sex worker though. So that felt wow. very different wow. because they yeah. were on a double date and with a friend and the friend brought a new woman into the fold for dinner. And she my she was saying she webcams and does X, Y, and Z. And my aunt was like, oh, my daughter's a, or my niece is a model. And then she showed her a picture of me. And she's like, oh no, that's that's my former name, Chastity Merlot. She's a webcam model. And she's, she was really pop, I was popular at that time. She's like, I know her. <laughs> and my aunt's just like, no, she's not. And she's like, oh, yeah, no. she is. Look. And showed it. So my aunt, oh, and my, my aunt texted me. She's like, Chastity is like not <gasps> cool. Yeah, she's like, a sex worker. Not I know. Cool. I was so taken back by that. But my aunt was yeah. very gracious and, and loving, and it, she was just like, "Why did you tell me? I'm here. I'm here for it. Whatever." But it was just like I did not expect it to come from that that side of the the team. Like you would think that she would know that that's yeah. You especially don't, other sex workers never right. out yes. other sex workers. No, yeah. to listeners. Yeah. That are not yeah, insects yeah, yeah. or insects. Yeah, you expect that from like clumsy clients. And I've experienced yeah. it a little bit too. I think that like, you know, when you when you do start coming out to your your peer group or your friends, 
you can get like I call it like my my extra woke friends, right? That like really oh, want yes, really want to prove how they're cool worse. they are with my sex work by talking about it all the yeah. time, and it's like yeah. not helpful. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Agree. Yeah. Not, or they're like yeah. it's very tokenizing. Cool. Like this is my sex worker friend. Look how cool I am. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. really not cool. I'm like a mom that lives in the suburbs. <laughs> like, how am I helping your woke? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It comes down, right? Like intent and impact are, are separate things. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. yeah like you see the intention of like, I'm cool. I want to be cool. I want like, you know, I want my cookie for being such a cool person. It's like, well, yeah. you're, it's, there's so much context you don't have here. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's like yeah. that. Like, it's like the people who are like, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Uh, you know, it feels like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. here's yeah, yeah, this yeah. one person and they're okay. So therefore. Yeah, I'm sure they really appreciate being described that way. That's super. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, yes. everyone loves that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sasha Ray contributed a video. Hi everyone, my name is Sasha Ray, also known as XO Sasha Ray, and I have been in the industry for about 10 years now, so you can think of me as a little bit of a vet. And when I was asked to talk about my coming out story as a sex worker, it kind of threw me for a loop because it really made me realize that throughout my tenure in this industry that I never really came out in the way that you think of coming out when you hear the phrase coming out and it was a little a little weird I'm not gonna lie because usually when I come out to people it's because they come across my social media platforms and they get curious or they get nosy and they just want to know exactly what it is that I'm doing since they see me in a completely different way than how they know me and I'm not shy about what I do. If you ask me about it, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth that yes, I am a live streamer. I'm a content creator. I have my own podcast and art business and I'm a personal assistant and it all is within the adult industry and beyond into mainstream. But when I think about a moment in my in my career that really made me want to tell someone, me come out of my way to tell someone about what it is that I do, it was a little difficult. There's maybe only three people in my life that I actually came towards and said, hey, this is what I do for a living. Without it being um, an accidental surprise and then finding out, or without them being there with me from the very beginning of the journey and to where I am now. And one of the times that I came out was when I was 19. So I was very, 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 very fresh in the industry. And the guy I was dating, I was very toxic at that time. And let's just say I was a very young, young girl. (laughs) And if anyone knows anything about Facebook 10 years ago, it's basically like how our Instagram and Twitter is for us as sex workers today, where if we lost that account, we lost a lot of money. Like we're leaving money on the table type of situation. And that's how um, Facebook was back then. And I decided to take the guy that I was dating, his Facebook account information, and I locked him out of it. I changed the email, I changed the password, and I basically was like, nah, bro, I'm not giving you your account back. (laughs) 
So he decided to uh, dox me, basically, and he posted all my links on Facebook, pictures of me on Facebook, um, and in that moment, I knew I was kind of screwed because he, uh, my mom followed both of us, me and him. And at the time all of this was going on, I remember very clearly because I had the little red uh, Sprint like Palm Pilot phone and my notifications were going off like crazy and my mom was upstairs at one of our neighbor's houses just chilling and I knew I needed to tell my mom before she saw this on Facebook. And I remember I thought I was Usain Bolt and I sprinted so far and so fast across the other side of the building and up those stairs and I barged inside the door and I'm sobbing with tears and I'm like having an anxiety attack and I'm saying, hey mom, listen, I need you to know something. I do more than just go-go dancing. I am a webcam model. This is what I do. I get naked on the internet and I make money off of it. And she comforted me in that moment. She told me everything was going to be okay. Um, she didn't judge me. And the reason why she didn't judge me too was because she had a past of her own and she was very accepting at that time and in that moment. And she gave me a lot of love and she gave me a lot of comfort. And she really made me feel like it was okay with what I was doing, even though society might have made me feel like what I was doing was wrong. But she gave me that kind of that notion of you're grown, like it's okay. You do what makes you happy as long as you're safe and you're happy. And that made me feel really good because I know I'm very privileged because there's a lot of us in this industry where our parents do turn their backs on us, on us when they find out what it is that we do. And I'm just very grateful that my mom um, did not do that to me and that she did not exile me from her life. And then there's one more story I want to talk about. Because this one was kind of like, it, it, it was more of like a coming out like, I made the decision to sit there and say, hey, this is what I do for a living. And it was to my two older sisters. These women are amazing. They are beautiful, independent, great mothers. Like, they are just so wonderful. And I learned a lot from both of them together and individually. And they've known me since I was an 18, 19-year-old girl child and into watch me blossom into the almost 30 year old woman that I'm about to be. And it was last year, uh, Thanksgiving, a pandemic Thanksgiving. So everyone was just excited to be able to finally come back together and, and just be in the presence of the energy that we all were longing throughout that year. And we were all drunk as <laughs> our family typically is. And we had always talked about OnlyFans because OnlyFans was big. Everyone was an OnlyFans model. Everyone was talking about OnlyFans. Everyone wanted to be in OnlyFans. Like, that's where the money was. And so we always talked about it, joked about it. And I was, they said they wanted to do it. I joked about, yeah, I'd be down to do it, knowing damn well I've already had one. <laughs> and I remember I just pulled them into the kitchen and I said, hey, there's something I need to tell you and something that I've been wanting to tell you guys for a while. And I showed them my Twitter. I then showed them all my links and they were not judgmental at all. Like all the fears and worries that I had that I thought I was going to get from them 
was just all in my in my mind for my personal experience and they were just so happy that I was making money like they 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 knew what I was I think they have always had an idea of what it was that I was doing but they knew I was grown and you know if I'm grown grown people do grown shit or stuff and I don't know if I can cuss here um and they literally were like, yeah, I'm, I'm more down to want to go ahead and get an OnlyFans because I see what you're making. And I, I, I thought about wanting to, like, you know, get into the industry, too, and, like, be a no-face model. And, like, we just started talking about a whole part of my identity. And I don't feel judged by them anymore. And when I tell them I'm going out of town, I don't have to make up a, a reason or make up a friend that I'm seeing. I can say, yeah, I'm going on a work trip now. And they're completely acceptable and, and happy about it. And I just want to say that I know that coming out stories are going to be different for everyone. I know that I am actually very privileged to even have the people that are closest and mean the most to me in my life be acceptable of what it is that I do do for a living because I know that is not the case for everyone. And I just want anyone that feels alone or feels like they are living a Hannah Montana life or if they just want to scream and tell someone about what it is that they do for a living just to feel like they're not trapped within themselves, you can always reach out to me. Of course, I'll keep everything anonymous. And, you know, I can just be the, that ear or be that person that you need to kind of feel free within yourself where, you know, someone is knowing what it is that you're doing. And I especially want to speak out and talk to my black and people of color because I know we are taught to grow up to suffer in silence we are taught to sit there and, and work through everything on our own and not to complain about it and not to like you know fuss about anything but I want you guys to know especially that we have each other and that we are here for one another and if you need a safe space to go to I am always here for you, no matter what. And I want you to know that being unapologetically yourself and speaking your existence and just being true to your core will always make you feel better, will always set you free, and will always bring light and positivity into your soul. And I know that sometimes the resolution is not always going to be happy or is not always going to be a positive one. But just know when you are yourself, you will attract people that love your energy and love your soul. And I'm going to leave everyone there on that notion there. Once again, I am Sasha Ray, and that is my coming out story. Bless Sasha Ray. How powerful. I yeah. have chills right now. I know. Oh my god! I feel like I yeah. <laughs> Teary eyed and Teary- yeah, so many feelings. All yeah. the feelings. Yeah, I just I, and like it's it's just yeah. Sasha Ray nailed it. It is so important to have a supportive community. Mm-hmm. And and before we dig into it, I just want to say what fucking bullshit it is that we live in a society where it is more shameful to take your clothes off and make erotic content that makes people happy on the internet than it is to dox someone that you supposedly love and put them in active danger and fuck that guy and fuck Mm -hmm. those guys. And Mm -hmm. like, 
so, so many blessings to Sasha Ray and the incredible women that she is lucky enough to be uh, in a family with. That's yeah. yeah. Badass mom, great sisters. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of the things that she brought up that I think that we don't talk about very much, especially because there's so much taboo about like um, kids and motherhood mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff is she's a second generation, at least like she, yeah. you know, and she doesn't talk that much about her mom, but there are so many sex workers for whom like their, their mothers have been in sex work. Their yes. sisters have been in sex work. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, um, and having that sort of, you know, we, we interviewed somebody for our podcast who identified as a second generation sex worker. Yeah. And, really yeah, and um, I more common than you think you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so sweet that like the way that her mom like responded to that is like, Hey, I, you have to do what you have to do. I did stuff that I had to do too. And Mm -hmm. I'll support you. I'll love. Yeah. Yeah. I love that she spoke to marginalized communities as well, because Mm -hmm. that we need that. We need everyone to know that they have a safe space within Mm -hmm. the sex work community and someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I love that she left the door open for people to reach out to her too. Yeah, yeah, even if you weren't born into a supportive community, you can you can make one. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, I had a similar experience, you know, with with my mom when I came to her and I I told her I was pregnant and I needed and I wanted an abortion, you know, and mm-hmm. she was just really re- really there for me and like I felt like mm-hmm. I got this window into family history, right? It's like my mm-hmm. you know my mom and all of her sisters and like you know my my grandmothers and the choices that you know they had or didn't have or the hoops that they had to go through. You know, my mom's two older sisters had to get um, abortions before 1973 and then you know my mom and her wow. um, older sister were able to get some of the first you know illegal abortions in the country. And wow. so I think it's you know there's there's a generational aspect to I think all of the work that we do and all of our stories mm-hmm. and I really couldn't have said it better than what Sasha Ray said of like when you're willing to embrace yourself and your Mm -hmm. own truth you know Mm -hmm. what you attract to you and what you reveal and light up um in the world you know we shouldn't carry these shameful secrets right the you can reject the stigma we can tell and claim and reclaim our stories yeah, mm-hmm. I always find that working in sex work is it almost acts as like you get this really cool filter on the world where mm-hmm. like you can filter out the people that you don't even want around you where you're like, oh, you don't agree with the sex work. You don't agree with abortion. Like, OK, next. OK, next. OK, next. <laughs> yeah. And then your circle is just filled with people that are going to love and build community for you and mm-hmm. be supportive. And mm-hmm. that's almost it's like this unspoken benefit or like byproduct of sex work is when you're yeah. out and when you're in a safe enough environment to do that, mm-hmm. you kind of get to that is how you attract because you're filtering people out left and right. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the circle gets smaller. It for does. Sure. It does. Um, but it's but safer. But safer. Yeah. Yeah. But safer. I think that's the best way to say it. Okay. Let's move on to our next person. Sorry, just before you say- we move on, I I just wanted to say, like, these have been so good. Like, I, I don't know how so you guys, good. I feel uplifted. I don't know, you know. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like I, in I tears wanted- every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These, yeah, these are so powerful. Stories are so powerful, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. really, really are. Yeah. So let's listen to Ruby Lynn. Hi, my name is Ruby Lynn, and my husband Rex and I are live webcam models and content creators. And our coming out story is a little bit different maybe than some people's. Uh, We are a mature cam couple in our mid-50s, and we have five adult children. In late September of this year, 
we received a text message from our adult daughter. I might add it was during a live webcam show one evening stating that she needed to talk to us right away. And so we got off cam and Rex uh, had called her while I was straightening up and using the restroom. And when I walked out, what I heard was she was on speaker and said something about Pornhub. So my ears perked up and I, I went immediately downstairs. And what the situation was is a childhood friend of one of our other adult um, children had seen an ad that our campsite had placed on Pornhub advertising us. And he screenshot it and sent it to our son. We already had some issues with our son and his wife. And so this just really compounded and added to it. And that that son decided to in turn um, turn around and send that screenshot to all the other adult children. And luckily our daughter was the only one that had the guts enough, I guess, to call us and confront us. So we came out to her and decided that right then and there that night we would call um, each of the other adult kids, but not the one who was sending out the screenshot because we already have issues with them. So we came clean with everyone and luckily the other four were extremely supportive, um, non-judgmental. Uh, we were just really excited about that because we had hid our sex work life for about 18, 19 months. We kept it completely under wrap. The only people who had any idea were two of my best girlfriends. So a week later, I get another call from the same daughter and apparently a cousin of hers had seen my TikTok, which, you know, TikTok is, uh, it's kid, you know, you can't get naked or do anything on TikTok, but it was one where I was talking about my um, feature article in Hustler Magazine. So again, <clears throat> our poor daughter is in the middle and apparently her cousin's father Rex's brother decided to spread it around the family and tell his elderly parents who are not speaking to us at this point in time that we know of <laughs> because they haven't contacted us. So it's been quite a stressful time, but I have to say in the end, we are so relieved we can be who we are now. There's no hiding it. Every single one of our friends know. Our entire family knows. And it's just been very liberating. So while we didn't get to share what we're doing with um, folks on our terms. In the end, um, people that thought they were going to um, share this information and have it be really detrimental, it kind of backfired on them because the people that really care about us and that we want to surround ourselves have accepted it. So that's our coming out story. It was a little rocky there for a few weeks, but it's starting to settle down. Actually, this is going back yeah. to what you were saying of like, we kind of filter out the people that yes. were going to support us. And, and I, I know Ruby and Rex. Uh, I met them at Why Not Summit for the first time. They're on uh, Play With Me. And they're this couple in their 50s that are so fucking cool. She's like this 50-year-old woman obsessed with Machine Gun Kelly, being a groupie at concert. Like, they just live the coolest life. Like, they're That's awesome. awesome. That's, awesome yeah, their kids people. are really missing out. Or like, their judgmental yeah. son is really missing out. It's now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They have literally the coolest fucking parents, dude. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, look a gift horse in the mouth, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Cool. That's. Ooh. I also, I want to, I want to jump in and say that, like, 
I'm, I'm really glad that we're getting both stories about coming out and also being outed. Um, yeah. And like, I think that there's, there's, you know, there's a really big difference here. And I it ha- hands off to this extraordinary couple for uh, their daughter and facing things head on together, mm-hmm. you know, as a community. And it, it sounds like this has been and will continue to be a really stressful time. I'm sure like the holidays coming up are going to be tense. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I want to share and echo and uplift that feeling of relief of just like yeah, getting getting the secret out. You know, it's a it's a, a sort of a twelve step programmy thing to say, but like we really are only <laughs> as big as our secret. And, yeah, that's very you know, true. My mom yeah. actually taught me that lesson. I had this is a little. It's, it's something. But I wrote a, a note to a boy at school when I was really young and the co- teacher confiscated it and basically blackmailed me with it all year that she was going to read in front of the class and like tormented what? me. There, This kind of like <laughs> – it was like this this horrible, very, very traumatizing thing where like this little – I was such a, a pleaser and a teacher's pet and I, I was skipped school. It was the whole thing. But my mom had ta- given me the advice once she finally figured out why I was like the totally changed child um, that you're – you always have to tell your secrets on yourself. And that was yeah. the best advice I think mm-hmm. I'd ever gotten mm-hmm. was to tell your secrets on yourself because no one can hold power over you. Yeah. yeah, I always joke, um, but it's not even a joke. It's it's for real that like I'm completely unblackmailable. Like what oh, is yeah. somebody going to say about <laughs> me? You made that very clear. Yeah, He's like, you tell guys. everyone yeah. about this it's all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> you write about everything. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Wait, what do you have on me? I've already, I've already published it in an article. Yeah. So, you know. Um, yeah. Probably way more self-deprecating than your version would have been, frankly. Yes. I have the internal monologue, right? Like, I know that my reasons were suspect. So, like, yeah. Heard. <laughs> Heard. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, I think, um, you know, Sasha Ray brought this up, too, that, like, there's this feeling of, like, feeling totally free once you, mm-hmm. like, once let that out. Let it go. Yeah, yeah let it go. And, um, and I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just want no, to echo that of, like, I think that's really true of, of sex workers, right? You know, and the stigma and the shame and the secrecy around that. But I think that that is also true for like women and queer people. And I feel yes. like we're carrying around so much societal bullshit about our mm-hmm. own stories that it really yeah. blocks the freedom that can come just come from owning our own choices. And like, mm-hmm. I know so many women that have never engaged in erotic labor that are torn up from the inside around, uh, you know, the shame of being perceived, right, as, as yes. bloody or, you mm-hmm. know, sexual choices in the past or this, this foundational belief that the sex that they engaged in or even worse, the sex that was done to them, right, diminished mm-hmm. their value in some way. Yeah. Like, I feel like we can all benefit, right, as a society mm-hmm. by telling our stories and owning our stories and letting, like, other people's shame be just that like other people yes yes yeah agreed agreed yeah let's go on to rena storm this story was contributed by rain storm she sent it to me over email my main worry over my career as a full service sex worker up until recently was the reaction i might get who would I lose? Then one day my nightmare came true when a person I thought was a friend on Facebook sent me a message saying he was going to out me on my timeline as a disgusting sex worker, as he put it. And he had the names of people on my friend list so he could pass the information on to them individually. I was in tears. I risked losing everyone. So I felt I had no option, but 
to beat him at his own game and out myself. I carefully posted on my timeline that I was a full service sex worker and I named the troll that was threatening to out me. I only lost a couple of people. To my surprise, everyone else stood by me. They even asked me um, if I use my own name at work or an alias. So I told them my sex work name was Rainstorm. A few even uh, privately asked, no names mentioned, if they could go onto my Twitter account, which was nice of them. This gave me courage to come out to my mom. God, I was so scared. She sat and listened as I explained I was a full service sex worker. And during the pandemic, I did live vid strips and chats and did nude photos for clients who were under lockdown. So they had some human contact and that I was doing that free to keep morale going. She called me a dirty little devil. And when I explained that what I do makes people happy in a world that's very harsh and unhappy place at the moment. And then I'm proud of what I do um, and what I can bring to people. She eased up. For an 80 year old, she was very open minded, just as she was years ago when I came out to her as transgender. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> Again, yeah, blessings to cool moms and fuck all those fucking dudes, right? What? <laughs> it, like, what? We are awash in, I feel like, yeah, like, is, is it a pandemic of dumb dudes? Like, this is, <laughs> oh, God. There's a new that. epidemic. But yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. I, I wish it was new, right? Like, we just invented yeah, dumb dudes, real. like, yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Through yeah. it, I do, I do, I love stories about reclaiming the power and reclaiming yes. the narrative, right? And, like. You know, I, I hate it. I always hate it when people are forced into these positions, especially by, you know, jealous ex-lovers or controlling mm-hmm. dudes or judgmental friends or family members. Like, I think it's, it's my, my heart always goes out to that, that high anxiety moment. And it yeah. feels like you're drowning in quicksand and the, you know, catastrophic thinking. And I love hearing stories from the other side of that right? Where people found their footing and found their community and found ways to come back Mm -hmm. to themselves. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I applaud this 80 year old mom. Uh, Yeah. I think, yeah. You nasty devil. Like it's not, not a compliment, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, I get it. It's yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I wanted to also say when, um, about the reclaiming your power. Mm -hmm. I think that we all kind of carry this uh, idea that we have this major audience following us around at all times that really has either power in our narrative or a lot a lot of damage that they can really wreak on our lives. And, and to some extent, of course, there's some people that really can. But for the most part, these audiences that we we make believe are there watching our every move and are going to, you know, really judge us I think a lot of that is in our head as well like it's there's definitely it's out there in Mm -hmm. some capacity but a lot of these stories share the theme that like I didn't lose that many people or like I didn't it was better than I expected you know Mm -hmm. yeah and I don't I I don't want to diminish that you know like fear anxiety of like there are absolutely people who you know their families disown them or are met with violence you know like I I experienced that when I I made the mistake of of coming out to an ex-boyfriend and then you know Mm -hmm. got you know thrown up against a wall, right? But it's like, that's not, there, there was a long time there where I I held on to this false narrative of like, oh, if I'd never told him about the sex work, then the violence wouldn't have happened. And I, I think it's been 
a real revelation to me afterwards to be like, oh no, coming out about sex work saved my life because the violence would have come later, right? You know, and so yeah. I, I absolutely think that your earlier point of like, you can choose to surround yourself with people yes. that accept your whole self, right? Including mm-hmm. the work that you that you do and, you know, whatever your your feelings about that, um, about that are. And I, I do think it's important to say aloud that like, yeah, I, I, we keep getting these stories, right? Of like, give, mm-hmm. give the people in your life some grace and some faith yeah. because there are a lot of folk uh, who can really hold these truths um, yeah. in mm-hmm. addition to the love and the respect that they, they have for us. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I really love that. I do think that um, we, I do wonder if we shouldn't like, also say though that like a lot of these stories have been very uplifting there are a lot of people for whom like the relationships can't go back yeah, to like never repair will, will never be repaired yeah. and um i think that we need to give space to that too because that also happens and it happens a lot and and i think it's it's easy for us from like the positions that we're in now because we're all fairly stable we're in stable relationships like the three of us i mean like um but um to be like oh well you just you know slough off the ones who don't support you and other ones will come you know and (laughs) you can board your way into it's not that easy because like I say that now as somebody who's like done some repair on some of the relationships that that, that fell apart yeah. when mm-hmm. I was outed or when I came out and um but but it's years it's been years and it was not easy and some things are always going to be weird in some of the relationships that I have and weird is good like I wasn't beaten (laughs) you know um I mean weird isn't good but like my story is relatively mild compared to like the stories of other people and I feel like um it's not always safe and I I think we need Mm -hmm. to like yeah acknowledge that too. it wouldn't be ahead of a December 17th you know remembrance if if that was how all the stories went yeah it's good to keep that in mind yeah okay let's look at Margot's story. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon to the world's oldest profession podcast and all of its listeners. My name is Margot Underwood, and I'm a full-service sex worker. Um, I am incredibly grateful to be a part of this coming out as a sex worker project, and just as equally privileged to even have an uplifting story to share with everyone. So I wrote a little piece that I'll be reading from, and I hope you enjoy. The submission said to share our uplifting stories about coming out as a sex worker. And the story I'm about to share with you all might leave you inspired, but for me, it didn't start that way. Dare I say that coming out as a sex worker was liberating and soon to be one of the best years of my life. Yet this same experience was inextricably linked with sorrow, core shame, disgust, and downright confusion. Insert cheesy quote by Theodore Roosevelt. Nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, difficulty. I've never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I've envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. I can say with the most confidence that I've never chosen the easy path in any aspect of my life. 
My childhood was riddled with decisions that simply made mine and my parents' lives more difficult. Fast forward into adulthood, 18, according to the judicial system of the United States. I rejected the opportunities that would have made my life a cakewalk by some people's definition and latched on to the decisions that challenged me beyond anything I could have imagined. From the outside looking in, some thought that my life, the life that I chose was the easy way out, when in fact it was just more exciting, unpredictable in my eyes. It was only at the start of COVID-19 that I had the fabulous idea of coming out to my family, friends, and eventually the public as a sex worker. The decision did not derive out of a coming to self moment. No, that comes way later in the story. This decision manifested out of pure fear. Fear that became so crippling, the only way to free myself was to walk through the fire, burn, and shed who I once was to the people who expect the most out of me. It was a normal day. I jumped on Instagram and one of my favorite educators at the time was having a live Q&A. I can't remember the exact purpose of their Q&A, but I had the opportunity to ask them a question about their approach to coming out as a sex worker, specifically to their family. The response I received was life-changing. It's not about if they'll find out, it's about when they'll find out. And being prepared to have that conversation is one of the best things you can do for yourself. I might have butchered that quote a little bit, but that's the essence. It may not be applicable to everyone, but I took those words and I ran. I ran with new eyes that gave me a sense of hope because in my head they were right. It's not about if, it's about when. So how do I best prepare myself for this conversation? Because I wanna have it today. I was ripe to the point that if I stayed in the closet any longer, I would have rotted away. So I began the process of preparation. For anyone who knows what it feels like to hide who you are from the ones you, who are supposed to know you better than anyone else, it sucks. The best way to describe it is waking up feeling sick to the stomach and carrying that feeling around with you 100% of the time. It really can make you physically ill and has negative effects on the nervous system, digestion, hormonal production, and so on. I started with my stepsister, moving on to my stepmom, who then told my dad without my consent, might I add. And by the time I saw my dad, it was a swift, you need to move out in three days. Granted, I should have been, shouldn't have been living with him in the first place, but there's a whole other backstory to that one that involves school, COVID, and uprooting my life to move across the country. I was fully prepared for this response and found it to be quite appropriate on their part. The stars aligned and I found a new place to live within 24 hours. Once I was settled into my new place, I took it upon myself to tell my mother over the phone, because she lives very far away, who was definitely not enthusiastic about this lifestyle choice, might have even cried, thrown some Jesus quotes my way, but at the end of the day, she just wanted what was best for me. When I didn't stop receiving phone calls from my aunt, father's sister, I went ahead and told her as well. Each conversation entailed details about how I run my business, from safety protocols to obtaining cash to how I do my taxes, uh, but each family member was too stumped on the word prostitute that the words just couldn't absorb at the time. There was a decision made by my father's family to make it clear that I was not welcomed at any family events from there on out, 
mostly out of an irrational fear that I would tell all the grandbabies about my deviancy. Even though the response was anything but love and acceptance, I'm not mad at my family. Sure, at the time it really hurt, but I really couldn't expect too much. I walked away from that experience with a very important life lesson. You cannot expect people to accept you as you are, even your family. Because at the end of the day, the only acceptance that has weight in your life is the kind that you give to yourself. What a beautiful and empowering message I walked away with. Again, not something that came to me immediately, but all in good time. Shortly thereafter, I no longer needed to hide who I was or what I was interested in studying. I remember asking myself what I wanted to do with my studies since I was no longer living up to the expectations of the world around me. I sat there and thought about how I spend my free time, what I search the most on Google, the conversations that I have with my peers, and I came to the beautiful conclusion of psychology and sexuality. I am now the proud owner of podcast The Psych Ho, in addition to being a student in a bachelor's for ABA psychology and a program through Sexual Health Alliance to become a certified sexuality and intimacy consultant. Additionally, I co-lead a group for my national and international kink community called Peers Improving After Toxicity Together, or The Pit which you can find on FetLife or Facebook. We're a support group that offers weekly Zoom calls to cover central discussion topics in relation to manipulation tactics of abusers, as well as facilitate a space for anyone to share their experiences, good or bad, surrounding abuse within BDSM or kink-centric relationship styles. All of these things would have never been possible for me had I not taken that initial leap of acceptance for who I am and what I stand for. Sex work has not only allowed me to operate from a flexible schedule and participate in two educational programs at once, but more importantly, sex work challenges me to focus on intentional forms of self-care and tune into my body's needs to maintain a healthy mentality. In addition, sex work has empowered me to speak up for what feels good within and without the bedroom walls. I'm lucky enough to have a handful of pleasers who want to see me enjoying myself before they get to their pleasure. Sure, this can sometimes be rooted in selfish and egotistical motives, but nonetheless, I exploit this opportunity to use my words and express what does and doesn't feel good. Moreover, sex work has expanded my understanding of the vetting process emphasized how important an STI panel and sexual health are. And finally, that self-worth is not rooted in how much I charge for my time, but that it's rooted in the love that I show to myself. I am privileged to have the choice to be out and face forward as a sex worker, to have the ability to implement vetting procedures and deposits, to say no to problematic clients, and I hope that one day my career leads me into a position where I can aid sex workers in need who cannot necessarily do all of the above. I am grateful for the opportunity to share my short story with the public on such a compassionate platform and only hope that I can reach one person whom it provides comfort for. Thank you for your time. Um, and just want to set the record straight that um, my family and I 
are back on good terms. Um, I do attend family events now and I just avoid talking about my life and career unless specifically asked. Um, so once again, thank you. And I hope that you enjoyed that. There's so many beautiful quotes mm -hmm. that hit so deep from her story. Mm -hmm. So many. Uh, yeah. It wasn't all the, it was more real, like not more real, but it highlighted the struggle of right. a lot of. Yeah. I mean, I think that there was so much in there that was really great. I think um, I appreciated the the journey because, you know, a lot of these stories, the people were, um, which I really love and appreciate, the family members accepted them right away. Mm -hmm. um, that wasn't my story. That's like how, mm. where I'm, where I'm getting to. Um, but I think that, um, I love that though, because it also shows that like, you can't, that there are a lot of people for whom they do get there that, yeah. you know, yeah. if you come out and there's an initial like freak out moment or they throw the Bible at you or, you know, any tell you to kick you out. Like there's a lot of, a lot of times, people come around. Um, there's yeah. something shocking, I think about sex work. Um, and, um, and people heal and people change and we yeah. can also tell that story. <laughs> yeah. And I, think I like that the only acceptance you really need is yourself. I'm like, mm -hmm. that needs to, that's yeah. a strong message that it's hard mm -hmm. to remember sometimes in sex work. Yeah. That's, that's something I really, really appreciated about this story is that like, you know, she went into this, uh, she went into those conversations with a really strong sense of her own choice, right? You know, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's not a, it's not a matter of if it's when, and I've decided that that's happening today, knowing yeah. full well that that would result in, you know, losing her housing, uh, mm -hmm. losing, you know, connection with her family for an unknown period of time and still, yeah you know, like drilling into her truth and her sense of self mm -hmm. and being able to hold on to that through this process. And, yeah. you know, even now it sounds like, you know, they're, they're at a compromise that I absolutely recognize. You know, I, I yeah. very rarely mm -hmm. talk about my work with, with Same. my family, either, <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Either, either my parents or my in-laws, you know, there's just mm -hmm. sort of this big hole in between, you know, we, that we, that we navigate around, you know, and I, yeah. but which is different, I think, from it being a secret, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm out and fully accept myself. And also it's not, it's not the topic of conversation and in part because, you know, I have these outlets, right? You know, this podcast, yeah. this great yeah. community talking, I spend a lot of time talking about sex work and sex workers and sex work community. And so it, it really, really sounds like this author, um, who's an excellent writer, by the yeah. way, really went into these conversations with, you know, a really a strong foundation and was mm -hmm. able to ride through the storm, right? And hold yeah. on, you know, while other people felt their feelings. Um, yeah. And I, so mm -hmm. I just really want to, I want to applaud, uh, you know, this, this writer for, for going into that with such intention and being able to arrive on the other side of that big reveal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Okay, let's look at... Oh, I love this one. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sharla Hathaway. 
And at age 54, I elected sex work. That's right, I became a whore at 54. I didn't want to teach violin anymore. I didn't want to teach high school. I got newly divorced, moved to a new big city. And I, I realized all the books I was reading were, were about sex. I was interested in sex. So I answered the ad in the weekly paper to become an escort. And it made all the difference in my life. Before, sex was kind of like doing things for other people and, and serving them. But now, men were coming to my door, and I was the teacher. It was about me. And I delivered. I showed them how to slow up, how to be present, how to feel their body, breathe, learn to receive. And it empowered me in my own sexuality. It was the best thing that happened in my life. And still now, 20 years later, after writing a couple books, getting a PhD, and making a couple movies, which you gotta see on sex work, it's on my website, charlahathaway.com, and they, they won awards here in Portland. I, I realized that electing sex work was one of the most empowering tools that I found in my life. I love her. <laughs> I love her too. I like there's there first of all I became a whore at 54 is just uh you, like they, I want that on t-shirts. Um <laughs> I want to build there's so much happening there and I love you know, like a 20 a 20 year career in sex work is nothing to sneeze at no matter when you get into it yeah uh, right. but getting into it later in life and being able to sustain and branch out and do different kinds of media it's like just 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 all around round of applause um and it sounds like it sounds like she's just living her best life and yeah. gives absolutely no fuck you know, I didn't hear a coming out story here, but I also didn't hear that she gives any fucks what <laughs> anyone else thinks about her amazing life and career choices. Right. Yeah. So she doesn't need to come out. What does she care? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, she sounds like she has a movie, so maybe that's her coming out. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're all we're all public people, public women. Yeah. So I'm a former chef. I I am classically trained in pastry. I have two college degrees, one in business and one in culinary arts. I cooked from the time I was 16 to the time I was 26. That's when I found camming. And I started out as a cam model. I moved to clip making full time. I still make clips full time, but I also take night flirt calls and I've been on Reddit full time for almost four years. I have been doing this almost 10 years. I have always loved my job and I wouldn't do anything else. I never thought this would be something I did long-term. I didn't think I would be successful, but when I started out successful, I knew that I was gonna stay successful because losing is not a word in my vocabulary. I quit my pastry job three months in from, from doing this. And that's when I decided to tell my brother. My brother was the first person I came out to. 
the reason I came out to him first was because one, we were always very, very close. He was my best friend. And two, he was serving in the military. He was in Afghanistan. And I was really afraid that he was going to find me on the internet and be upset that I just didn't tell him. So I told him and he thought it was awesome. He thought that I deserved it. I worked really hard to not be poor and being a pastry chef didn't allow me the opportunity to make a lot of money. I'm a single parent. I got pregnant at a very young age and I grew up poor and I knew I didn't want the same thing for my child. I have done everything in my power to make that a reality. After telling my brother about a year in, I told my mom's sister, my aunt. Uh, my mom has two sisters and my aunt was pretty unconventional herself and kind of beat to her own drum. And I was really comfortable with telling her what I did. So I told her what I did and she was really cool with it. Um, my, my finances significantly changed. I made maybe $20,000 as a pastry chef I mean, my first year camming, I tripled that. So after a couple of years, people started noticing uh, my mom, my biological mom, three years in, we were driving. I, I literally remember this like it was yesterday. And she looked over and she asked me if I was escorting. And at first I didn't even know what to say because I wasn't escorting. I was online only and... I was literally just taking night floor calls and camming. So that's what I told her. I told her that I took night floor calls. She asked me what that was. I told her I, men called me and I humiliated them. She thought that that was awesome. And we moved on. I came out to my other aunt shortly after, who is pretty conservative. She wasn't 100% accepting, but did not make me feel like I was an outcast or or anything like that. My sister pretty much immediately disowned me when I when she found out. She's always been very judgmental and I kind of knew she was going to you know not be okay with it. Um then my cousins found out uh, I had three girl cousins and one boy cousin. And everybody in the beginning was, they were really great. Everything was fine. Um, up until about five years ago. Five years ago, my girl cousin got really drunk. And she texted me really nasty, hateful things about this job. About how she didn't respect me. How I was a disgrace to the family. You name it, she said it to me. And I was really upset. I broke down. I'm not an emotional person. And I remember crying a lot because I never felt so upset because I was still the same person that, that, that they knew. I was the same girl that they, that, they, that they didn't know for three years. So I just, you know, and this had been well into my career. Um, I mean, I had been doing this for like six years by this point. Um, I had to cut off contact with my biological family after this because of what happened. Um, nobody really backed me up. Nobody supported me. 
it's been almost five years since I've talked to them. Um, that's when I told my daughter because I was very visually upset. She was 11 at the time. She knew something was wrong. So I told her that I wasn't a pastry chef, that I did adult work. I didn't get too specific as she was 11. And she was awesome about it. As she's gotten older, I've disclosed my job a little bit further. Um, She is insanely proud of me. I've bought a condo. I've been able to take us to do things. I've been able to provide her with literally the best life possible because financially I can. And this was my whole goal going in was to make sure that she didn't struggle, that she didn't grow up poor like I did. I've been on my own since I was 14. And I I did not want, not that I would have ever left my child, but I didn't want the same struggle for her. My daughter has been my biggest supporter. She's actually currently writing a novel about my life, about my job, about how society stigmatizes us as sex workers. And I could not be more proud of her. I don't regret coming out. I am actually happy it all happened because it shows me people's true colors. Because if somebody got to know me and I didn't tell them what I did, they wouldn't judge me. But the second I tell them I'm a sex worker, sometimes it changes. The thing is, is I'm not just a sex worker. I'm a certified, trained Reiki practitioner. I'm a part-time astrologer. I play the stock market. I run two Etsy stores. So I'm not just a sex worker, and a lot of people fail to see this. So coming out has been a blessing. I don't hesitate to tell people what I do. I don't even care anymore because if my whole family is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. There's literally nothing else that could destroy me. And I'm happy I found out their true feelings. I'm happy that I you know, got to see it because I am not a fake person. I'm an honest, blunt person. If I had to do it all again, I would come out in a heartbeat again and I would do it all over again. Being a sex worker, doing this job has been the best thing that has ever happened to me and to my child. And I just wish people would understand that. Wow. wow. It's, it's so striking to me. Um, the more I get to know about sex workers um, and their personal lives before they entered into sex work, the, the more I realize that the vast majority of sex workers get into it because of poverty, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, out, out of poverty, um, you know, and, and that's not, you know, that's not sexy marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, you know, I think that that's not something that um, we uh, put forward. But I think that there's, uh, I, I think it's worth saying that uh, this, like the military for men, I think, yep. um, sex yep. work yep. is a path for for women and for other 
people who are marginalized to be able to make money on their own. And I really appreciate the way that she wove that into the story. Absolutely. And, and I think that you're right. It's not sexy marketing. And, it, and the, whenever it comes to talking about money, people get so uncomfortable because it's not it's like not OK to say you don't want to be poor like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I get what comes along with that. And that's a complicated you know, that's a complicated conversation as well, but there's nothing wrong with wanting to use this as a vehicle or use this to to do something else or just mm-hmm. do this for the sake of doing this. Like that, I think mm-hmm. it needs to be said that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in poverty. There's nothing like ennobling about it. It's yeah. really difficult. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, um, and it's, I think you're right. I think it's okay to say that. And the other thing that I think was really, um, powerful that, she said, or she said a lot of powerful things, but, um, the, the idea that like, um, you know, I, that, that knowing like who your family is, um, gives you like a a freedom too. I, I, I remember when we were first outed and we were at like a family reunion, um, I would walk into a room and people would get up and walk out you know, um, and make it very clear that they were like disgusted by me and they did it in front of my kids, which was very hurtful to me. Um, and they could feel that, you know? Um, and I, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate those, like being open about what that's like, but then how you can also like the thing that's great about that is you also build family. Yeah. Like she's built something different with her family, with her daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and we can, we can create our own stories. Yes. I, there were a couple of things that really, really jumped out. And, you know, like, I, I feel like what she's modeling for her daughter is so powerful, you know, mm-hmm. that, that acceptance and like, what a loss on the part of her family, right? This incredible mm-hmm. person um, and her incredible daughter. And like, they, mm-hmm they don't get to uh, mm-hmm. to spend time with them, right? They don't get to see this incredible person grow up. They don't get to see, you know, this wonderful person mother her daughter and build her life mm-hmm. and build something, uh, you know, better than, than what she came up in all because of their own mm-hmm. prejudice, you know, their yeah. own, yeah. their own shit, you know, is, is yeah. keeping them from a relationship with, uh, you know, an in, an incredible, brilliant, driven person that's doing right by her and her family. And, yeah. and I just want to say, you know, like I, I really heard her and, and it, I don't know if we're going to include the the numbers or, or whatever, but, you know, I, I've known a lot of chefs in my life, you know, a lot of people that, that work food and bev, and it's not a lifestyle that is, that's really conducive to being there for your child. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like absolutely. not only is she not making a lot of money, right. Like, you want to talk about exploitation, right? You want to yes. talk about jobs that break down your body. You want to talk about sexual harassment at the workplace. Oh, you know, yeah. let's talk about what it means to work in a kitchen. And so mm-hmm. I really, I really applaud this woman for, you know, taking, taking stock of her life, uh, mm-hmm. making choices and getting herself to a place where she can really be proud of herself and her choices, even in the face of her family's mm-hmm. shame. Yeah. The last story is we will move to that one now. Isla. Hey, my name is Isla Cox. And if you aren't familiar with who I am, I'm an award-nominated model and podcaster. I've been in the industry for three years and I have the most crazy story about coming out to my family. 
The story begins with my mom. I started by telling her. When I first told her, after the initial shock wore off, and I want to say it lasted for a couple seconds, she said that she was very excited for me, and she was super happy that I found something that I really enjoyed and could also make money while doing. I felt like a huge weight was lifted, but there were still more people that I needed to tell. So I started telling more of my family members. Each person took it so well. They all responded enthusiastically and were so happy that I found something I was really passionate about. But there was something going on in the background that I was not aware that was happening. Some of my family members went behind my back and they made a pact, a secret actually, and they were going to turn me into a good Christian girl and bring me back to God so that I would leave sex work behind. Now, I had no idea that this was going on. So my family members that made this pact together started guilt tripping me and shaming me and using all these different covert tactics to try to make me feel as if I was the one making the decision to leave sex work. Since I'm familiar with these tactics, I already knew what they were trying to do and I pushed back. I established myself that I'm an adult, I don't need their approval, and I can do whatever I feel is best for myself. I quickly explained that sex work allows for me to be my true self and I truly enjoy doing it. And that if they cannot accept my true self the way that I can, I do not want them to be a part of my life. And that is the story about how I told my family members that I'm a sex worker. It led to me cutting a few family members out of my life, and there's still a few that I interact with. Ultimately, I learned that you need to do what you feel is best for yourself. I'm passionate about sex work. I absolutely love being an adult model, and I'm not going to stop for anyone else. She's so, good for her. She's so happy. Yeah. yeah, good for her. Yeah, what an upbeat way of talking about being <laughs> gaslit by your family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, whew, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hear, I hear that too. I, you know, my, um, you know, my husband was raised in, in an evangelical home and, and talks about his own experience with this kind of thinking of like when he came mm-hmm. out to his parents as, an atheist, right, is not believing in God, there were years and years and years of, you know, his, his family, like, you know, cornering him or like mm-hmm. trying to, you know, like, bring, you know, bring him back into the church using a variety of different tactics, all of which ended up ultimately undermining their relationship and eroding trust. And so, yeah. you know, it sounds like this, you know, this is another example of that. Um, and it's, you know, um, I'm really, I'm really sad for this, you know, badass performers family that, you know, they've robbed themselves of an opportunity to get closer to her. Uh, because again, you know, they let their own shame, stigma and prejudice get in the way of a powerful connection with someone they love. Yeah. Not only their loss. Absolutely. But not only did they like rid themselves of sunshine embodied in human form. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair and accurate description, actually. Yeah. I get that. That's, like, yeah. That's the one who voted off the island? What? Right. Okay. What? <laughs> All right. But um, I also want to speak to what you mentioned about this, like bringing back, because me and my husband, given a lot of people where we live, 
because it's small town Bible Belt don't know about my, me and my sex work. And also, you know, there's acres between us. So it's not like we're like sure. hanging out all the time. Um, sure. But there's like this constant like come to church, come to church, trying to get us into the church. And my husband was just like, do you do you guys get frequent flyer points? Like, do you get a point? Yeah, every yeah. Time? Is there a punch you know? card system? What's <laughs> happening here? Right? Like, yeah. yeah. How many souls to a free donut? Is there, is yeah. there something? <laughs> exactly. So I think that that's so interesting because I think that that's probably a very, very shared experience of like mm-hmm. this kind of don't worry, we can we can convince them or they'll once they see the light mm-hmm. or once, you know, whatever. Yeah, I get be. it. I did that with alcoholics for years, but you know, it's not, sorry, that's not, yeah. <laughs> fix them. Uh, yeah. Yeah much, yeah. much empathy, but like, you're right. I, I oh, wow. Um, yeah, no, this, I, I, I love like this, um, Isla sounds very much like there was absolutely nothing that could take the joy out of Isla's life. Like that's, yeah. you know, and I yes. think that that's, that's great, you know, and, and if, if there's a God, there's no way that that God doesn't appreciate that energy, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, this is, she's obviously a gift. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we need to, like, wrap this up now. But it's been, like, from from my perspective of having, like, being outed, having family members, um having that turn some of my relationships really Mm -hmm. sour. Um, but then like, um, seeing what that can look like seeing family members who have been, um, really supportive, um, and, and seeing people come through really difficult situations to realize they're they're to stand on their feet. You know, Mm -hmm. it's really inspiring to me. And hopefully a lot of people listening, if they are in the thick of it, where it, it all looks hopeless right now, mm-hmm. they're going to hear some of these stories and be like, you know what, maybe with time, they'll, they're going to come back into my life and, and or I'm going to build a new, or I'm going to have family. a whole new family. Yeah. 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 However, however this goes, it can be okay. I, I want to jump in and, and make an observation just as a historically minded person that, you know, a lot of the submissions that we got are about the the situations that COVID sort of forced us into, yeah. you know, people mm-hmm. that were doing full service sex work. Uh, transitioning to the internet, yeah. you know, exposure to to friends and family. So, mm-hmm. you know, you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, different um, different levels of safety, right? And the mm-hmm. the risk of full service versus sort of the risk of of having stuff um, online. online. And so, I yeah. know that there are a lot of sex workers out there right now who are navigating a different level of exposure. And so, mm-hmm. um, I hope for for anyone listening. Um, that they're able to find something from from this episode to take away with them. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do we want to just go around and tell each other's audiences where to find the other podcasts? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We'll start with you. Okay. Well, I'm Melrose Michaels and I'm with hosting On the Horizon with Jesse Sage. And you can find more information as well as more on On the Horizon podcast at sexworkceo.com. Great. And I'm Jesse Sage from On the Horizon and also Peep Show podcast. That's at peepshowpodcast.com and on Twitter at peepshowmag. And I'm also Jesse Sage on Twitter at sapiotextual. I'm Caitlin Bailey. I'm the host of the Oldest Profession podcast and the founder and executive director of Old Pros. We send out a newsletter every Friday. That's a roundup of sex worker rights related news from around the country. So please get on our newsletter. We have live shows coming up in 2022. 
And new episodes of the Oldest Profession podcast are also dropping in January. So awesome. Awesome. And also, uh, we should just say it to you because this episode will air on the horizon before the holiday season. So if you're going home to see family, Mm -hmm. we wish you a very Merry Christmas and we will see you after the holiday. Happy holidays. Thank you for joining us on another episode of On the Horizon, a podcast about what's on the horizon for sex workers and how to navigate it. I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at sapiotextual and at jessiesage.com. And I'm Melrose Michaels, and you can find me on social at Melrose Michaels and melrosemichaels.com. Remember, if you want bonus footage from today's episode, you can always subscribe to us on Anchor for $9.99 a month to access all the footage we couldn't include on today's show. 